Welcome to Animates, a retro anime review comedy podcast. Join our resident animator Mackenzie and anime noob Lindsay as they delve into their VHS vault and review the best and worst of what the 80s and 90s had to offer. These episodes contain spoilers and adult language, so stick around if you're cool like that. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of Animates. Oh my gosh, I missed you so much. (laughs) It's been so long. All right, Lindsay. So look, we've had it pretty good for a while. Oh no. Most of what we've... So we're going to keep going with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Most of what we've watched lately has been fairly lighthearted. Tenchi, Neighborhood Story, Cat's Eye, Utena, even like gundam wing and robot carnival while a little darker we're still pretty easy on the mind oh no so i've been in a mood lately <laughs> and i wanted okay. something violent yes. gory yeah and dark hell yeah i ended up watching 18 hours of some really dark anime <laughs> 18 and I, hours i probably watched like seven movies and a bunch of series Wow. Things I had, things I had watched before, some new stuff I had found that people had been telling me about for a while. And like some of them would have made okay episodes, and some of them would have probably made really good episodes, but unfortunately had a bit too much graphic sex in them. Meaning we'd probably get age restricted. <laughs> like we did with the Wicked City episode. Did uh, we? Which Oh man. Well, a little bit, yeah, especially on YouTube. We we talk oh, about ghost titties a little bit too much. So it made me think, though, if we ever get like a larger audience and we like start to make a bit of money off the podcast via like a Patreon or something one day, we could totally run an extra monthly episode called just for patrons called Animates After Dark, Ooh. Uh, where we can talk, we can do some of the like real crazy shit. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to t- ask you more about what your hard passes are before I tried doing that. So we will not be watching Kite today as it had me muting and turning away from the screen at times because it went from dark, corrupt cop trained assassin schoolgirl to hentai and back real quick, multiple times. And okay, turns out there's a much more podcast friendly version of it that I just (laughs) learned about. But so maybe in the future we'll watch Kite. Okay, but it was it was it was a rough watch for me. It's, oh, it's a very man. intriguing show and a lot of people recommended it to me because I went on all the discords I'm a part of and I was like, what should I watch? And a lot of people said kite. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, I don't know. I got to ask some <laughs> questions first. You're like, I can't do this. So we won't be watching that. However, okay. that all said, that doesn't mean that we're watching something nice and easy today. <laughs> okay. Instead of attacking our eyes by watching people get their bodies torn apart by aliens or future soldiers. We're going to attack our minds with something more psychological. Ooh. Okay. <gasps> this week, the series had reviewers saying, this is a film that will leave you with profound psychological scars and the feeling that you want to take a long, long shower. But it was also <gasps> hailed as a must-see masterpiece that paved the way for complex anime films to follow. <gasps> this week, oh my God. we are diving into the life of uh-huh. Mima Kiragoe, a member of J-pop idol group, Cham, 
who decides Ooh. to leave and become an actress. <gasps> oh my gosh, is it what I think this is? Only for her life to go from being perfect <gasps> to filled with oh my gosh, is this murder, what I think it is? stalkers, and more, leaving her feeling blue. <gasps> yeah! Have you We're caught on? for so long oh, i told you so excited we probably wouldn't watch it for months as a bit of misdirection because i figured it would actually end up coming up in the next like m month and when i decided we definitely could not be watching what i had seen of kite on this series the <laughs> next thing that came into my mind instantly was fuck it we're doing perfect blue yes i'm so excited to watch this this is a hardcore classic okay this is are we a, talking like Akira level classic? In certain circles, absolutely. Wow. This is a huge film. Okay. It is beloved by every single person I know when I said I'm starting a podcast based around the 80s and 90s. I was like, are you doing Perfect Blue? Are you doing Perfect Blue? I still get people occasionally commenting in some of the discords being like, hey, really like this week's episode. You ever thought about doing Perfect Blue? <laughs> people love Perfect Blue. Oh, a lot. man, I'm so ready. Now, I've actually never seen Perfect Blue. So normally I'm introducing you to stuff I've seen or am fairly familiar with, <laughs> but I've never actually seen it either. Wow. So we're both going into this uh, with now, no, no experience or no. You, I don't know. you are correct. We, we are. We're coming into this raw on both ends. So <laughs> we're going to get adult ratings again if you keep talking like that. <laughs> I'm hoping that we can both have a uh, a good time watching this, even though it is said to severely fuck you up. <laughs> Those are like fun movies. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm I'm glad I've I'm glad we're not doing. I I wanted at the time to do something really gory, but when my my brain kind of calmed down from wanting that, it was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> we go in here. So oh, man, we're going into existentialism. Yeah, we're gonna go watch someone begin to cipher psychosis. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> it's, this is gonna be great it's gonna yeah let's uh yeah so we're gonna go watch perfect blue and have our minds absolutely fucked with and we'll see how we are in uh just when we get back in just a short moment here yeah we'll see if we still know who we are <laughs> And we are back from watching our teen assassin flick, Kite. What? No, we aren't. We watched Perfect Blue. Um, no, we, I said months ago we weren't going to watch Perfect Blue until we had a larger listener base. We literally talked about you Kite this morning. motherfucker. I know what you're doing. What am I doing? You're making me question my reality. <laughs> you did for a second though, didn't you? I was like, we we talked about Kite and we didn't want to watch it because it was a lot. So we went for this one instead. You. I, you. I figured in the spirit of Perfect Blue, I'd, I'd try and mess with their head a little bit, much like how this movie uh, messed with mine. And I imagine yours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad you told me to watch it twice because I definitely needed to. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those ones where you can't watch it and take notes as easily as you can most stuff. You mm -hmm. have to just sit there and stare at it and take it all in. Um, yeah, you need to take in all those little details. <laughs> There's a they are very important. Crap ton of details. 
holy moly and like even the cuts between like scenes especially in like the third act you're like oh i need to pay attention for sure because Mm -hmm. you will miss stuff yeah i the first time i had watched it was when i was having finished doing an all-nighter and then was like i'm gonna get my schedule on track and then something happened that did not allow me to get my schedule on track so i was like dying of tiredness watching this and being like no this is not a movie to do that with this is a movie that you really have to be in a good headspace to watch (laughs) no like it was not a good idea i turned it off halfway through and i was like i'm not doing this right now (laughs) oh man yeah yeah that's fair it it is perfect blue is a mind fuck that creates this like Mm -hmm. twisted sense of self-doubt towards like what is real and what we actually make up like to comfort ourselves and when you watch it you're kind of like oh yeah no i i don't do that and then you're like or do i oh yeah absolutely and just like (laughs) the trauma responses and stuff like that you're like oh man like Mm -hmm. it because like so yeah please be in a good headspace when you watch this oh absolutely There's and a reason it, Darren Aronofsky loves this movie. Oh, yeah. And like he used it in um, Black Swan, Black Swan, but also scenes of it were recreated in. Uh, oh, Requiem. Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, exactly. The the shower scene yep. where she's like kind of bent over in the in the in the tub. Yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Just go into it like you would a Darren Aronofsky film. And it comes at you quick. Oh, Yeah. And the thing is, like, they are very smart in how they designed it because, like, we open and it's like a bright, warm day. There's like this cutesy pop song. We're at some sort of like, like, not a fair, but like a theme park type thing. Like, oh, yeah. okay, I get this. And then it just gets so dark. Like, real terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, and the sound design for this is incredible. Oh, absolutely. There's incredible backing tracks that just kind of made these bouts of psychosis that the characters going through dig extra deep into your mind because they just they 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 cut to the beat and they they instill this like it's not like a pop song all the time or it's not like a radio rock song. It's sometimes it's just this weird eerie noise and you're just like oh. <sighs> I don't like this oh man <laughs> well and like one part that i can think of specifically and we'll get into it when we like break it down more is when they're playing the pop song on the boom box like oh. the, the pop song we heard earlier mm-hmm. but it's like distorted and like just so creepy so it was like very well orchestrated in like how they chose to present it in that moment yeah yeah they use the sound as a very effective tool in this movie there's also this weird thing that happened with specifically the synth pop song that happened in the background of the strip club scene. This song oh. is not listed in the credits. It's not included on any commercial or bootleg release of the soundtrack, and it was not added to the vinyl record. And this is as of at least 2020. There are no credits as to who wrote the song or performed the song. There's no full version of that song heard outside of what you hear in that one scene. Oh, interesting. And like, was there a reason why they chose to do that? We don't know. Oh, okay. they just for some reason, they were like, you know what? We're just not going to do it because I was, I was researching about the music and this little tidbit came up and I was like, that's 
kind of a fucked up thing to do because it also creates that thing where someone's like oh yeah i really love the soundtrack you're like yeah i really love the strip club scene song and someone goes what are you talking about oh and you're like this song they're like it's not on any of the soundtracks i have what are you talking about yeah and then you yeah, both have to go back that, and like it's that like mandela effect or whatever yeah it's just it's just it, this whole movie just decides to put weird thoughts into your brain and it it, it starts mm-hmm. to hurt <laughs> Yeah, it absolutely does. It it definitely lingers with you in your like subconscious long after you watch it. And the animation's beautiful. It it's so eerie, stunning. but it's beautiful. Like things that were meant to be pretty are very pretty and they're clear, and things that are meant to be ugly are very clearly ugly. Such as our 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 one antagonist who is real real gross. <laughs> yeah 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 they they do this thing with the eyes in this movie where they pull them really far apart and it creates this just like i don't know it really fucks with my head just seeing these people that just look not correct (laughs) yeah there's just like something weird about the proportions that throws you off like they still look very human but they tweak things just enough to like make you uncomfortable It, it feels horror because yeah, having your absolutely. eyes far apart's not a problem at all. Absolutely not. No, not at all. But with the way like the they girl do from it, the Queen's Gambit, she's yeah. considered stunning. I love her. Oh, but yeah. in this one, just the way they do it, it's so fucked up. And it stressed <laughs> me out the first time I saw him. I was like, <laughs> Yep. I was like, I don't want to see him again. And then I was like, well, too bad. He's yeah. you know. And you know what? I know I was like really at the time before, you know when i was like well maybe we'll watch kikes i was wanting something excessive gore or something like that who needs excessive gore when you can watch something that gives you real cold chills down your spine and through your brain i know i was watching this and i was like honestly i think i would prefer the excessive gore because this is too like excessive gore you could like brush off and like you can laugh at it yeah whereas this was so grounded in reality and like it just it no it 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 makes you feel ick yep that was my exact thought process was like damn you watch gore and you're like haha that's funny that dude's head exploded but you watch this and you're just like oh her mind is technically exploding and i don't like this <laughs> oh no um, oh no oh no 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 and yeah a lot of people won't get this movie i'm not even sure if i fully no. get it I definitely missed stuff. It's a very cerebral film. I went back and read a bunch of people's fan theories that are, you know, they're like, hey, here's the official synopsis, the whole plot breakdown of what actually happens. But here's what I really think is going on, because I think maybe that writer missed it, yada, yada, yada. There's some really good ones out there, some really good ones about multiple characters and what they actually mean and things that are happening. I would recommend people go out and check them out. I was like, can you send me those? I will. But regardless, I got a gross feeling watching this and oh yeah it felt that's not, i was like i'm gonna go outside now yeah it's not a i wouldn't use that as a deterrent if you haven't seen this yeah i would agree with you i think I it's, would, if you're into those very like psych, psychological cerebral films that just leave you leave a lasting impression on you yeah. after you finish watching it i think you absolutely should watch this and just, again if you're a fan of aronofsky like give it a watch make sure you're in a good mindset <laughs> Again, yeah, we're we're again going to reiterate being a good mindset. If you're uh, like sad or if you're like feeling kind of dissociative, you're having some like 
body issues or just like general issues with anything going on in your brain, your brain at the moment, yep. do not watch, watch. something else. <laughs> turn on some SpongeBob. What? Like, yep. <laughs> oh man, it made me think of. It made me think of when Bo Burnham released Inside, and I was like, I cannot watch this because I know that I'm not in the right mindset for this. Yes, I have to wait. I I also had and to I wait was on correct. that. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was good. Oh, I watched a bit of it and I was like, no, this is too close. I'm going to wait a bit longer. Yep. Thanks, Bob Burnham. Just completely fucking us up. Yeah. And there, there's a lot we're going to get into on this. So please stick around because we're going to break down the movie here. And there's some points and some some moments happening that I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're going to start it all off by saying like there are going to be trigger warnings for sexual violence. So if that is too much for you, feel free to skip those bits will make sure to trigger warning them before we start discussing those parts. Um, yeah. yeah, just please take care of yourself. <laughs> we love you. We want you to stick around. So yes. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get into it with our, our power Rangers intro scene. Oh my gosh. I love that. I also wrote that. I was like, Hmm, corny off brand power Rangers are for the opener. Great. <laughs> but yeah, we're in this like, weird summer like theme park situation where there's live performances going on and the first thing we see is yep cheesy off-brand power rangers and no one's happy about it no no they even like the people waiting around for cham are like this is terrible what are we doing yeah. oh even man. the kids are like this is stupid i know and i was like isn't this for kids oh no and you're doing a really poor job it's one of those things is like when you go to a theme park and they're like it's our Pirates of the Caribbean stage show. And it's just like real bad. Oh, man. You're like, is Disney going to come after you? <laughs> yeah. Nope. We, we cut to our, our actual our actual idols, Cham. And they are so cute. I mean, they're freaking out backstage being like trying to do the pre-show, like getting ready and stuff. Yeah. And then once they go on stage, they're so good. And like choreography and... is on point. And oh, oh, they actually oh, sing the fucking song. <laughs> yeah, which is I uh, should not be a shock, but it is. Out of everything we've reviewed that had any sort of sort of singing in it, this is the first time people have actually been singing to the music in the damn animation. <laughs> and it was uh and it just is so good. It's it just so adds so good. much to it. And here's a fun fact you may not have noticed. Most times when there's something of like this being animated, there's animate them doing their dance moves are all good. In this, they are specifically animated to be slightly off from each other because the director oh. wanted things to feel more realistic because no one is ever in perfect unison. So it's oh, a little, a little thing that he had done to like be like, hey, mm -hmm. Re reality, reality, maybe exactly. Who knows? And their outfits are adorable. Oh, oh my gosh, they're so cute. Like, ugh. oh, I love them. So just these like cute. cute pink petticoats and. The thigh highs and the gloves. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, we learned we learned that this is uh one of the singers, Mima, our protagonist. It's her last show with Cham, and that she is, you know, announcing that this is um she's moving into acting. Mm -hmm. But as she's trying to like say this, there's a bunch of like dumb teenagers who are making <laughs> making some ruckus in the back. So it causes this like stupid brawl to break out. And so all this stuff's going on. And she's like, you guys, I just it's my last show i just want to have a good time please listen to this song <laughs> and this is there's there's two things here i really liked first is that they're cutting between them dancing and singing and 
her normal life as she's like breaking it down to yeah. her agency that she's going to be leaving. They didn't try and do like scene and then scene it, or like, like full scene, full scene. It was like, we're going to cut in between. And this is also where we get our first glimpse of um, uh, his actual name is Mamoru, AKA tuxedo mask. But this is where we get to meet me mania. Yeah. And just again, good character design. Cause straight off the bat, you're just like, I don't trust this guy. No, my, my, he looks creepy. Literal note is, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> just, just, uh, uh-uh. I love this so much. Yeah. I just, I literally had just written creepy guy in my notes until I actually found out what his name was. Cause I was just like, Oh, that just yeah. he makes you feel. Ugh. it's unnerving yeah. but yeah I, it's so unnerving but yeah i like that they did the cutting of like the pop song to like her real life and stuff like that because it does kind of sh- like give us that dichotomy of like this super put together super produced idol performance but and then her like she's just a normal girl at the end of the day the next scene after she like sings she's in her apartment and it's like a normal small apartment. It's so tight. It's like a room. Like she's an Which, idol. I mean, I guess that's normal. I yeah, guess, she's an idol and she has just a regular Japanese apartment. In like a random street block, like by with a train yeah. outside of it or whatever. Not well, actually not that one, but that's yeah. later. But yeah, like just like general street stuff. And I was like, I, you'd think that they'd be making way more money being idols, but apparently not. Well, and even like, yeah, you see her after the show getting into the car and there's like swarms of fans everywhere and she gets like a love note and all this stuff. And it's it's interesting because the person who hands her the love note is like, oh, I'm always looking at Mima's room, which she's mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, that makes no sense. Talking about. <laughs> That's really creepy. You're staring into my room, which no girl ever wants. But at the time, she doesn't really think much about it. She's just like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, she opens the the like letter later on and it says it again and she's like that's uncomfortable but still has no idea what it's talking about (laughs) no not an idea but yeah also that night she gets a a fax so (laughs) i love that my note is fax machine in the house is wild same with not knowing about what the internet is oh man i loved it so much Uh, but yeah she gets a she gets a, a like a scary facts of just someone writing the word like it's just like the the serial killer like cut and paste like mm-hmm. whatever and it just says traitor all over it and she's like uh yeah it's yeah and like she's she's done with being an idol like she takes all her posters of her band down like and it's not in like a dramatic way it's just no. a, okay we're done with that yeah moving on like not emotional yep. not anything just like which yep was also unnerving to me for some reason because just so calm and just done with it but normally when you're done with something like that there's some sort of like bad emotion tied to it but yeah it just felt like she's going like okay well next season like what's now like (laughs) i it just yeah it was it was very uh interesting it felt abrupt yeah, but maybe, I don't know, maybe because, like, she lives in such a small apartment, maybe that's her, they can't keep clutter and things like that. That's fair. So, that's my thought. Although, if I you notice know. in the animation, as her mental state breaks down, her apartment begins to become more cluttered. Fun fact. So much more messy, <laughs> yep. I I did note that as well. I was like, that is an intentional note to parallel her mental state. Yeah. So, from there, we go to her first day on set for this new 
drama called oh my gosh i had double bind <laughs> and she's like sitting there she just keeps saying the line who are you who are you and it's good because as the audience it kind of cuts to that right after her reading the love letter that says like i always look into mima's room mm -hmm. and so it starts this trend that's very beautiful and very well done in the movie of like the transitions blending really well into each other yes so she's on set she's like oh i'm so nervous which is fair like it's your first day on set you don't want to mess this up especially because you're doing a career change and you know her one manager her one manager Rumi, comes over to like chat with her see how she's doing stuff like that and then she brings up this mima's room and she's like oh it's a blog on the internet and so <laughs> she's like great what's what's the internet what's the internet? i know which is so crazy and yeah she like goes to do her her line and we see Mimania just like in there in the in the onset. And I'm like, why? How is he here? Like, I can understand like him being outside of like idle things. But, like, how does he get into like sets? Like, I think he's a security been... guard because of the of the armband he has. I think he yeah, might. Because he was the security guard at the like festival ground yeah, or whatever show so. in the park. She has one line for the for her first acting. She she quit for one, one starting line. line. I know. I was like, that is not when you just make your career change it's once you get like a like you get in the top 10 on the call sheet is when you should probably be doing that yeah but, uh, but i mean her her managers are like fighting for her to get more lines and we see this as they're talking to the producer and the screenwriter for the show yes exactly and then we also learn that she's still getting fan mail even as an actress yeah well kind and of it's like sent to the studio <laughs> yeah kind of fan mail because but, while she's like doing her scene, we hear they hit they say action and then there's like an explosion and it turns out her one of her one of her managers, uh Tato Koro. I'm going to get this name because I wrote it down five billion times. Oh, there we go. Yep, Tato Koro. So Mr. Tato Koro opens this fan lever ladder that she's received at the station and it explodes and just blood everywhere. You're like oh that's not good and she runs over to like see if he's okay and a piece of the letter falls to the ground and it says this is a warning the next one will be real and i was like this one was real like it exploded and hurt someone but what's what's like crazy though is that she still doesn't seem that bothered yet no because we cut to the next scene and it's just mima and rumi setting up her new computer so that she can finally figure out what this mima's place is so yeah she's like well that was weird <laughs> let's just and keep going with everything and she's reading the blog and she's not all that bothered by it at the time. She just kind of gl glimpses at it a little bit and is like, that's weird. And like, yep, closes it down. But there's like weirdly specific details that should be like peaking your spidey sense. Like, oh, I stepped off the train left foot first. And that must have been why I like messed up my choreography and stuff like that. Like, I feel like those details are alarming. Like alarm bells should be starting to go off at this. I don't you know. would think so, but they haven't quite hit yet. No, not until the next day when she goes to get off the train and she goes to step left foot first and then like freaks out. And she's like, oh shit, and freezes and then gets pushed off the train. And then she just like has a full on panic attack and starts running away. And like Jeez. her career moves are interesting because they're like, hey, we've got this idol and she wants to be an actress. We can make her do whatever. So we're going to have her do some crazy shit to get views, basically. 
Yeah, exactly. It's so predatory. Yeah. And this is a, a warning for those of you who want to skip ahead a little bit here, because the scene she has to perform is a a, a, a rape scene. Yep. And in a strip club. It's it's <laughs> it's hard to watch. Her agreeing to do it is wild, but she's clearly doing a good job and she's like putting her all into acting in this scene. And I really appreciate that when they call for pause to like move the cameras around, the guy that's quote unquote attacking her like bends over and whispers that he's really sorry they have to do this scene like mm -hmm. he doesn't want to be there either and i'm like i'm really glad they kind of throw stuff like that in to still make it feel like it is a shoot but fake scene or not it is a hard watch it is hard and i think what makes it hard is the fact that it is it is animated because in live action you have to be specific in how you place cameras and things whereas yeah. in animation you can do whatever you want because they're not real people and so i think that just makes it harder to watch because it's you're they're they're performing it in a way that gets you even like closer to the action than you would a live action and it's 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 ugh. i i yeah it's it's uncomfortable to watch and it's uncomfortable because i like you can tell that she doesn't want to do it but you but she has to like she feels like she has to because she doesn't want to be a diva or whatever like she's just kind of like pressured into doing this and it's yeah. awful and like the int there's like i just ugh, what i think i just put my notes like cringes and intimacy coordinator because there mm. just is no regulation there's no checking in there's no checks and balances it's all just like no and like her roomie so sketch her one manager is like i don't want her doing this and then her like male manager's like, yeah don't worry about it it's all good yeah she's like it's fine it's not like i'm gonna get actually assaulted and i'm like i hate this so much yeah and like like you said, she doesn't want to do it, but she doesn't seem all that bothered after it. She's like smiling, whatever, gets in the car, having a good time. And then she gets Yeah, they're like, I'll take you out for dinner because you've been working yeah. so hard. And then she gets home and realizes that her fish have died. Yeah. And that's like the final, the final straw that broke the camel's back, so to say. Like she just... All of the emotion comes pouring out. Flies off the handle. Very rightfully so. She just went through... Like you can, you can, you watch her disassociate. Mm -hmm. while filming that scene yep like of course she didn't want to do that no one wants to do that scene the writer who don't. wrote it and i don't mean the writer of this movie i mean the writer in the movie is a piece of shit mm -hmm. who's writing things like that just to make the ratings go up because he now has an ex-idol that he can get almost nude oh it's so predatory and creepy and then of course also while we're filming while they're filming this scene mimania has somehow made it onto this closed set mm -hmm. and i'm like no like you should this this should only have whoever is necessary to be filming this scene like no one else should be in this set and it's just like and they even say like we had to build a strip club set because no strip club wanted us to film, film scene, this yeah. gratuitous violent scene exactly. in their establishment which just is makes it ick after you've seen me mania a couple times i was looking for him in every scene every reflection every window reflection every train i was looking for a silhouette of him and it kind of fucked with me because i was like where is he where's he gonna show up you're so paranoid <laughs> and the other thing is this is a really important plot point too is when she's on the train home this is when we get the first kind of like crack in her psyche mm -hmm. and we see her pop idol version of herself like interacting with her it's just brief it's just like a sentence and she's gone, but it's like the first crack we see of her starting to like disassociate and have these different almost like personalities. Yeah. Or 
yeah, so that was the first hard scene. So thanks everybody for sticking through that. And if you didn't, no, no judgment here. Oh, take us to the next yeah. one. <laughs> Great. Well, it's it's good because we cut to Mimania in a windowless room covered in posters of Mima reading the latest post on Mima's room, <laughs> all about how the producer is a pervert and she's happiest when she's singing in front of her fans. And then it's even creepier because like he's reading the blog post, like he's like lip like reading it out loud, but the voice that we hear is the audience is Mima's voice. Just oh, it's so uncomfortable. But we see we see Mima's like in a montage after this doing interviews being like, yeah, I, you know, it, I, I want to be seen as a dramatic actress now. I don't want to be seen as a pop idol and stuff like that. And just like her really trying to like push this rebrand. You mentioned her psychological break kind of happening, but it's not just like these subtle dreams. It's like full on visions and interactions. Yeah, it's like hallucinations. I can't imagine knowing that her old group is actually doing better without her now in it yeah. helps with this very much. Oh, absolutely. Like we see them being like, oh, they cracked the top 100 charts. They never did that when Mima was there. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not good. That night she's like reading the latest Mima's room post and it just freaks her out because she's like, I didn't write this. And then her pop idol self like, is in a reflection of something and is like, of course you didn't write it. Like I did. She like comes out of the computer screen. And this is the first time we see this like hallucination come from like a 2d plane into like her 3d like world. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, you're like, Oh, this is developing and this is developing fast. Incredible. <gasps> because she's reading the blog and this is when it starts to really hit her that like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. I am something is wrong. I am reading posts that I've never said. I'm reading things I would never say. And people are believing it's me, which is, you know, not great. Not great at all. Like it there's a like there's a point where it's like it goes from like fan fiction to just like straight up like stalking. Like imagine And it's scary. Imagine finding a parody Twitter account about you. And then you mm -hmm. start to believe that the posts you're, you're reading are actually true. And even if it contradicts your own memory, mm -hmm. could you imagine waking up in the morning and seeing a post being like, had a really great time at the party last night. And you go, oh, I guess I went to a party. I don't remember. It's not even your account, mm -hmm. but because it feels so real to you, you are stuck in this spot where you just can't not believe it because it just feels just so ingrained into how you would respond and talk and say things and it's just it it's such a violation uh-huh and this and the the lines really blurring between reality and this like online persona is just terrifying you mentioned me mania like sitting in his dark room and he's like acting as her white knight and her protector and like he technically isn't wrong. She is unhappy because she's being forced to like do these things she doesn't want to do. But the extent he is going to. He takes it to a, another level. Yeah, we'll, that we'll, is. We'll get to that. Ugh. But he's just like, yeah, he's he's white knighting yeah. it a little too hard here. Yeah, he's got that savior complex. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to that, we need to get to murder. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's great. It's just, you know, the nighttime. We see the, the screenwriter for the show driving home, but he's like, 
backing into his parking spot and there's blood splattered on the wall and there's a sign that says in the same kind of yeah like kidnapper font uh it's like it says it says the name of the show oh yes it says, it says the name of the show and he's like bind. this is weird yep double bind and so he's like okay this is this is concerning when well, he so he's hears like cautiously music he hears the pop song the cham pop song that we heard earlier and this is what i was talking about earlier like he's like backing up trying to like go to the elevator so he can try and get safe and the elevator opens and he just hears this song and it's so like blown out and distorted and creepy at this point which is blaring out of this boom box yeah and then we're cut to the fifth floor and the elevator opens and he's just eyes gouged out stabbed multiple times blood everywhere like it's and awful it's grisly. here's why i like this scene this scene didn't need gratuitous violence no we got everything we needed with those two simple shots the boom box and then the dead body we didn't have him get in the elevator yeah and get attacked in this specific moment we didn't need that we needed two very striking images and that's it mm -hmm. and we got that they were very effectively done yeah oh yeah oh the storytelling is so good <laughs> and of course you know this becomes news that like the writer's been they've been killed and yeah. not so good and she doesn't again doesn't really think she's obviously they're upset about it but she doesn't really think much of it and this is where we're like told that her next gig is to do a a, a photo shoot, but it's like a nude photo oh, shoot. There's yeah. no problem if you want to pose nude, but she doesn't want no, to. No, not at all. But she feels like no. she has to if she wants to try to be a good actress, because if she feels if she says no, she's going to be given that usual Hollywood thing where they're like, well, fuck you then. She's difficult to work with exactly yeah and like we find out that this is a very predatory photographer because we're in like backstage with the remaining two members of cham and they're like talking about this photographer and how he's known for getting girls to take their clothes off mm -hmm. even if it's not a nude shoot that they're gonna come off regardless exactly and it's just ugh. And, and the whole photo shoot yeah it starts with her like you know just like you know your casual like men's button-down denim shirt and like a pair of underwear yeah that's fine that's a classic 80s 90s kind of like little silly photo shoot absolutely every musician did it but then yeah. he's just like get naked Take yeah more there's off. just like more and more and more and it's so haunting because it's interspliced with cham singing their like new song about how they want to be like comfortable and wear jeans and not tight suits and they'd much rather read comic books than textbooks and like this very happy like uppy pop song that is then interspliced with these like predatory uncomfortable scenes of this girl being taken advantage of basically it felt wrong yeah because it like i'm gonna say it if your job ever tells you to do something that you don't want to do and they say they're gonna fire you if you don't do it let them fire you like exactly do not do that a thing you really don't want to do it's not worth it well the other thing is like I, I don't know what the legality is in Japan and stuff like that, but I know here in Canada, it's like there has to be checks and balances. It, like if you didn't, if you feel uncomfortable doing a job, like there has to be certain, what is the word? Like regulations, amendments made to it yeah. and stuff like that. So that it's like, there has to be checks and balances to show that like there was a dialogue for trying to adapt this thing for. Yeah, but. But if you're if you're if you're already having a mental break and you're trying to be a good actress and you're just doing whatever people tell you needs to be done, 
You're going to do it mm -hmm. even if you don't want to, unfortunately. Yep. And yep. this is like, at this point, this is even where she starts to believe like even more so that this website's real and like starting to crack in her brain even more that this could actually be her. And like, I've, I've experienced hallucinations before when I was really sick once, like incredibly mm -hmm. sick, I ended up too. in the hospital because of it. And I was confined to my house and they were, I wasn't fully cognitively aware because I was incredibly sick, like physically, not mentally, but physically sick. And they were very brief and short. I could not imagine being fully conscious going about your day and just seeing someone that is you being like, Hey, you're not real. I'm the real you. That's yeah. terrifying. It's so terrifying. Oh, and she just, yeah, it just is haunting. <laughs> so again, be in a good headspace when you watch this film. Yeah. But oh. our, yeah. Our next scene here is the 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 like fans in the in the magazine store checking out the new publication of these nudes. Like oh, and it's not even like it's like full frontal. Mm -hmm. Like you see everything. Yeah. And they're published. Mm -hmm. Like this is infuriating. Here comes me mania thinking he's protecting her by buying all of the copies so that the public, you know, can't access them. But like, I get yep. what he's doing, but also, no, that ain't your job per se, especially when you're yep. like super creepy about it. Well, and then especially because like the next scene is him back in his windowless room and all the posters in unison are telling him like, I won't change a bit. I'll always be with you. That imposter is getting away or getting in the way. Like, oh, man, it's so unnerving. And like he he tells the like posters like don't worry i'll get rid of this imposter and it's just yeah. it's just adding adding more gas to this fire and just elevating this conflict more and because now she feels as though she might not be real and there's this other part of her that might exist but also mm -hmm. he experiencing almost the same thing but he's being guided by like he says he's being guided by her yeah which, he's getting emails from her which is a whole other side mm -hmm. of that but yeah. before we can even get to that we got to deliver some pizzas oh <laughs> which i believe is yeah. our next uh, our next little group of scene here oh man well before we get to that i just want to talk about like how the scenes that mima is like a part of are now starting to like mirror the psychosis and that she's feeling oh like in her like acting? her characters mm -hmm, like yeah. the storyline of the of the drama oh it's and so, yeah, and it's 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 interesting because then it starts becoming this part of like, is she acting? Is this real? And it's kind of this narrative device that the 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 people, the screenwriters and the directors have done to make you not know what is real and what is. Not. Well, that's how they animate it. Is it like it cuts in with this scene where she's talking about some crazy shit, and you're like, oh, what? But then all of a sudden, the actors that are other actors in the show are all of a sudden on screen, and then it fades out from like a director's view of a camera, and you're like oh, it's a scene from the show because she's talking about her psychosis yep. and how she's ex she's she's not the real this. She's actually an, a pop star. And you're like, wait, what? Hold on. And then boom, it's it's, it's from the TV show. And you're like, yeah. And you're watching the it's it's so yeah, it's oh, man, it's so good. Yeah. Watching this 
this transition as well it, it take does, does takes it to a, the pizza delivery part well sorry where i know i know i oh, was gonna sorry. get to that then you want to get to this before we get to the thing i wanted to get to before you got thing you got to <laughs> the tv show she's on is double bind the definition mm-hmm. of a double bind is a situation in which a person is confronted with two irreconcilable demands or a choice between two undesirable courses of action which is whoa being a pop idol she doesn't want to be and being an actress that she has to do things she doesn't want to do to become. So it's just an extra little thing thrown in there. Uh, and some fan theories are that Double Bind is actually her real life and that the rest <gasps> of it's um, a hallucination based off of the psychosis she's experiencing in Double Bind. Oh, so that's man. So that's a fan theory I'll send you later. That's crazy. <laughs> but pizza. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we, we do that thing again where it's like, the scene's acting and then it's transitions into like a video screen. And you're like, oh, okay, this isn't real life. This is a like this is the show. This is double bind. And it cuts back and we see that it's the creepy photographer watching the show mm-hmm. in his house. Oh, he the doorbell rings and it's just like, all right, well, I'll just go. Oh, I ordered pizza. Great. And he's like going to pay and stuff like that. And she and the, the delivery driver drops the pizzas. And he's like, oh, you're such a weird delivery person. And then they pull out an ice pick and just stab him right in the eye as he's trying to pick up this, the pizza. And then just like full on just keeps chasing him. And like, he, and it's funny because he runs behind his glass door. And I'm like, oh, yeah. honey. And she attacks. I say she because this is actually our first time seeing Mima as an aggressor. Mm-hmm. We are seeing her as the attacker. And it's it's so haunting because it's like it's happening while there's like a freeze frame of her face on the screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so haunting and terrifying. I know I mentioned before with the other elevator scene that we didn't need to have violence in that scene. Mm-hmm. But in this scene, I feel we did. Well, because we're escalating. We're escalating her psychosis mm-hmm. and her... And her response to these people like, taking advantage of her. Mm-hmm. Or as and far as we like, know, it's her taking doing this act Mm -hmm. because after she goes through this incredibly violent act of just slaughtering this guy with an ice pick just over and over again with this tiny little pick she just wakes up in her bed yeah the transition is just like her waking up like 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 shocked out of shocked out of her sleep exactly like one of those dreams that kind of kicks you like did that just happen yeah exactly and that's and yeah her her phone rings and Tadakori is asking if she's okay and she's heard about the murder. So it happened, everybody. He did get murdered. Well, and then she goes to get dressed and she finds the bloody delivery clothes in her mm-hmm. in her closet. And yeah. And she's like, what the? Like, oh. And so, yeah, she's like, I need to get out of here. She can't, but though. she tries to get <laughs> leave, but she can't because there's swarms of reporters just like bombarding her door. Which like asking her you'd, like you'd, how do you feel about these murders like wow you'd think that she'd have better security if she's an actress or something but i know right i don't know but yeah she yeah she keeps waking up repeatedly as all this stuff is happening something crazy happens and then instantly wakes up she's yep. on set get these like repeats and yeah yeah she's on set and she wakes up well and the thing is like she asks Rumi, she's like am i alive or did i die like I don't understand what's happening. Because she almost gets and hit I, by a truck that one time. Sense. And she yeah. keeps thinking that maybe I did die. Oh, this poor girl. 
but yeah it's like she's getting ready to go shoot this scene where she's murdering the club owner of the like her characters like where her character was assaulted and they're like hey now like make sure you breathe heavier than we did in rehearsal and then she's like yeah she just proceeds to like hyperventilate and pass out and then it cuts to her waking up in her room again and we're just like no idea what's going on yeah then we're back again and because like she goes back because they have to actually film this scene Mm -hmm. and then as they go to leave like her and her like management they're like oh where is she we need to go find her and it cuts back to her like being confronted by Mimania in this like terrifying scene where he is like you are not her this is a this is a this is a trigger warning yeah again there's going to be discussions of sexual violence so if you aren't okay with that please skip forward a little bit yes and he like attacks her and he's you are not her you are an imposter i will kill you so that she can come back and sure she can be free or just this creepy like yeah he's like i'm trying to protect I'm trying to t- protect Mimarin. And she's like, I am her. Like, and he's just like, no, you're not. I don't believe you. Um, because you didn't know, you didn't know my name. Well, and then he says, like, you've been emailing me. Yeah. Real emails. You've been telling me to do this. So you are clearly mm-hmm. not you. And it's like, hold up. These are real emails he's been getting. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> But yeah, and it really it really pushes this point of like, does she have DID? Like, does she have multiple personalities and she just doesn't know about it? Mm -hmm. Like it 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 you just have all of these theories that you're like, I have no idea what's going on. And I don't know what is real and what is not. Yeah. And like this scene, it gets violent because like he's chasing after her and then he like tears open her shirt exposing her breasts and then he like keeps trying to like he stabs her in the shoulder as he tries to like and you know hit her in the face but misses he like runs through this entire like back production facility until they end up back on the stage where they had imitated for that movie scene the sexual assault mm-hmm. and then he's like well we're gonna make this a real one and proceeds yep. to like tear off the rest of her clothing and like begins to like start taking off his thankfully she sees like a carp like some some carp left his belt and there's a hammer in it and so she's like well self-defense and she just like gives him a good whack in the head and murks him well he's not dead yet no no (laughs) because we 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 all of a sudden hear the director yell cut and she like looks and we're back to her being on set and like everybody's cheering for how good of an actor she was for this scene and like she had a great performance and stuff like that. And it's just like, what is going on? So then we see Rumi coming to look for her in her dressing room. And like she M- Mima is just leaning against the wall, like bloodied, torn up, like clearly having gone through an attack. And she's like, I was attacked. I'll go show you the body. And there's like Mimenia's gone. Like there's no body, no blood, like completely clean, like no. There's like no evidence of any sort of conflict that happened. It's so weird. So what happens is Rumi takes her home and she's like, and when she gets home, she says she has to call Tadakoro. And so she's phoning him and we we come back to the the soundstage 
and we just hear like we're panning trying to look for something and we just hear the cell phone ringing eventually lands on his dead body like leaned up against a wall With... and then it slumps over and falls on top of Mimania. yeah they're both dead so it like it again it's like oh so someone did get murdered and now also this other person is murdered as well and much like with oh. the the elevator scene they're all missing their eyes yeah which i'm sure there's some sort of like a, you know psychological profile that we could pull from that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's some scenes we're missing here because there's just a lot of crazy stuff it's that so just complex. keeps happening back and forth so please make sure you watch this yourself but when she wakes up and like Rumi's there and she's like, oh, Rumi, OK. And she kind of goes away again. And then we get this other scene of her acting and all this stuff going on. And it cuts back to the room. And she's like, oh, wait a second. She looks out the window and it's not the usual scene that she sees from her window. She is in an apartment that has been designed to look like hers. And that's when we see her idol self step out. And we have this vivid interaction between her and her idol self where to her eyes, it looks like her. But in the mirror, it looks like her manager, Rumi. And it that fucked me up. So I was like, hold oh on. Oh my gosh. Wait a second. There's no yeah, fucking okay. way. <laughs> well, exactly. And because when I watched it the second time, um, kind of back in act one, they say that Rumi used to be an idol. And so it's like, oh, like, so was Rumi this killer all along? And like, was she the one with DID who was like murdering these people because she wants to assume like Mamarin's identity and be an idol again? Like, what is going on? Well, then we get this hauntingly beautiful chase scene. Mm-hmm. Where... It's just like horrifying, but, but like the the like idol like hallucination is like just floating and like skipping as she's like chasing this woman trying to murder her and well it, it's interesting because every time it cuts to the idol yeah like you said she's floating she's hopping she's just kind of gliding through the air but when we see her as Rumi, she's just sweating and she's running and she's chasing after her just like you can't you can't and we cut between two of these things and mima is seeing this too like she's seeing both of them so she's clearly the one with psychosis who's seeing these two mm -hmm. figures but rumi is the actual person who is dressed up like this at this point wearing an idol mm -hmm. uniform chasing her down through the streets of tokyo until they almost get hit by another van mm -hmm. well after, before like, that like it looks it looks like it's gonna be like cur like curtain for mima and she like rips off rumi's wig and it kind of breaks that fantasy for her. And she has to, she's like, no, I can't like she. So she like has to try, go and pick it up. And while doing that, she bends over a bunch of broken glass and impales herself in the right. Stomach. Right. Yeah. She has to try and keep the, the, the mirage going. And she ends up just like almost. Yeah, you're right. Gutting herself. Yeah. And then she has like she's stumbling to put the wig back on and she stumbles into the street where she nearly gets struck by a, a, a truck that's coming towards her but she doesn't because mima freaking like jumps and pushes her out of the way which like oh my gosh if you're being chased by someone who's trying to murder you i feel like you should just let them get hit by the truck because yeah but remember she's still and you go out like you're you're dead she's she still oh. likes 
I don't know. It's it. This is where this thing gets confusing because she, sorry, she being Rumi. It's basically at this point been confirmed that she was the one who was emailing me Mania mm-hmm. and giving him instructions. She's the one writing the blog. She's the one who's and murdering people. and murdering people because she's she never wanted Mima to leave being an idol. She mm-hmm. was the one from the start that was like, we put so much effort into this. Like, why are you doing this? And now her like golden you know goose is leaving and doing something else, and she's seeing her being a, like a, abused. So she starts trying to like get her to stop doing this, and then it just escalates and escalates to like creating these websites and basically hiring this psychopath to enact all of these crazy things but unfortunately mima's experiencing psychosis at the same time which is Mm -hmm. making all of this just become so real for her that it starts to like completely change her idea of herself and then it culminates with like oh this person i really 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 trust and love is trying to now kill me because she thinks that i'm not who i should be an imposter an imposter and that she can be me i guess like you had mentioned her being an old idol taking on the role of her and like that's it's a lot (laughs) it's yeah this is like this is such a complex film and such a really good like it's a good bit of storytelling yeah like i think it's very well done in that sense and like i said people who have seen this who are listening to her talk are probably like oh you said this out of order you missed this and that i guarantee we missed a hundred things to talk about we missed so much because it's just so dense if i gave you a scene by scene breakdown of this movie specifically we would be here for a few hours exactly because there's so much that goes on because even at the it's so at the end after all of this we fade out and it's a few years in the future oh is it we had to I didn't know it was a few years in the tree in the future. Yep. Because at this point, Mima is now like a super famous actress. Oh. She goes to this like the psych ward facility to visit. Yeah. And she goes to visit Rumi. And Rumi's staring in a mirror and she's seeing Mima's idol image in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then as she goes to leave, the two nurses are like, Oh, that couldn't be her, right? There's no way she'd be here. No, it must just be a lookalike. And then she gets in her car, but then she just kind of like looks at the camera and is like, "No, she looks in the in the rearview mirror." Or sorry, right? You're right. Yeah, sorry. She looks to the rearview rear mirror and she gives a little line, and I'm like, "Hold on a second here." She says, "No, I'm real," and I'm like, "Oh, this is such an incredible ending." Like it, but that I thought I had it figured out. I was like, "No, it's all good. Everything's been figured out." But now I'm like, "Hold on a second here." What do you mean? I am the real one. Is there actually some crazy shit going down? Because that's some of the other theories is that sh- there actually was a duplicate. <gasps> Interesting. And like, that's where it starts to really fuck you up. Cause you're like, hold on a second here. What if there really was a duplicate and the duplicate was the one with psychosis and Rumi was actually trying to kill the, the actual duplicate, but which wouldn't really make a lot of sense. But for some reason in my brain at the time, when I was looking at these theories, I was like, yeah, that might make sense. But yeah. it's just like, it, oh man, it fucks you up so this movie's a thinker yeah like we said like it lingers with you yeah you get like shivers that linger yeah you have like because you will be trying to figure out what is going on and what's crazy is so there's a live action version of this what well here's the crazy part the live action version came later 
but the original film was conceived as a live action feature. But oh, when a man. bunch of the like backers for it like pulled out in pre-production, they said, oh, crap, what are we going to do? And they said, all right, we're going to animate it. And so it became an animated movie and then was later turned into a, a, a feature film. But also, because this is based off a book, the director was given and the writer was given full control as long as there was two things that were that were met. One, she had to be an idol. And two, there had to be a stalker. The rest, he could do whatever he wanted, as long as those two things were still there. And they pulled it off. (laughs) I would say so. (laughs) They really pulled it off because it has become such a huge cultural like movie within like the anime scene, even in people who don't like anime, a lot of them are like, if they're a film buff, they know perfect blue. Oh yeah. They've all got their own theories. They're all like, Oh, it's this and it's that. And everyone's like, no, it's not It's this and it's that. And I'm sure somewhere someone's actual fan theory is correct. And it's not actually what they've got listed on like the Wikipedia or something, but yeah, we just have to wait for like Satoshi Khan to like come out and be like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> And there's like there's so much stuff behind the production of this 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 movie that just kind of is crazy. Like, for example, the creator of Akira was credited as a special supervisor because they felt the film would fail unless they had his name tied to it in some way. So just to get it out there, they put his name tied to it. I guess it worked. Yeah, that makes me think of what they did with Scream and Drew Barrymore, how they like put her on like all of the posters and marketed her as like a character in it and stuff like that and then kill her within like the first five minutes they're like yeah we can do whatever we want so don't so just know that it's it's it kind of makes me think of that yep also christopher nolan's inception it draws a bunch of inspiration from other of khan's films because everything <laughs> they seem to do just ends up being really good like paprika is is what um yeah inception is based on and i just like when you when you got it, you got it. Unfortunately, with 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 Perfect Blue, when you got it, it's terrifying. Oh yeah, it's horrifying, but it's so good. I I highly recommend watching this. I yeah. highly recommend. I think it. yeah, I I would agree with that. I think it's a very excellent form of storytelling. I mean, I've said it a lot, but I think like just <laughs> yeah, the storytelling, the transitions, the sound, it's all just so good. If you had to guess what its rating is uh, uh i i don't know like an eight or a nine i would give, say give me, give me give me a rating come on give me give me a give me a number eight point three four seven <laughs> you're incredibly close it is an eight really? eight point five four. Oh, okay. That I would agree with that. It is ranked I think that is justly deserved. It is ranked number one hundred and eleven out of all anime on on Mal. Wow. It's a beloved I mean, yeah, movie. It's iconic. <laughs> it's iconic. What's really funny to me is that one of the licensors is G Kids. Yep. Which is this is not a kid's Which movie. is not something you'd think that they would do. But <laughs> hey. Also, I guess I guess you do it. Random, random question here. So Rumi's eyes are also fairly far apart, much like um Mimania's mm-hmm. are. Do you mm-hmm. think she he's like secretly her son? Oh my gosh. I, I feel like we're gonna be he here is. forever. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna be here forever if we keep he's, doing he like has, just different conspiracy He has a theories. different last name, so I'm gonna assume that he's not. Yeah. I would say he's not then. But, <laughs> but what if she remarried and had a different name? Exactly. 
they both got those far ah, apart eyes. So and there's a theory because yeah. at the end of the movie, when she's looking in the rearview mirror and she makes the face, her eyes are almost further apart and they match the like the cadence of like of roomies. Oh, this is terrifying. So they're like, maybe, maybe she somehow managed to like swap their places and and then at the end or something i don't know oh my gosh okay well we need to finish this episode otherwise we're going to be here forever <laughs> just thinking of different conspiracy Pe- theories people have just been listening to us constantly say you should watch this and being like but what is it's this? fucked up what is and this? it's crazy so i'm sorry everybody but we're just had our oh, minds man. blown this week and we, yeah. we kind of got to talk watch through this it movie. this is the first time we've talked about Go this watch- since we've watched it yeah, like go watch this movie and then come back and re-listen to this episode and be like, yeah. You're right. That does fuck join you us. Up. Join us in our conspiracy <laughs> theories. Exactly. So I I guess because we just keep repeating ourselves at this point, we should we should we should cut it out. I think we should too. I think we're gonna be hitting one of our longest episodes yet. So oh, yeah. you know, it happens. If you would like to, you know, decompress, let's say you watch this and then you listen to this, or you listen to this and then you're gonna go watch it. You know, decompress with something like Cardcaptor Sakura or something like that. You know, that would be a good one. Something, something just to get your mind back, back on the level. Because, yeah, don't do what I did and watch it when you're incredibly sleep deprived and just not in a good headspace. Because, yeah, yeah, you won't have a good time. So don't do that. Instead, treat yourself nicely. You know, go and get a smoothie and a burrito. Yeah. Go outside and touch some grass. Yeah. And then come inside and watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but if you'd like to hear other things that we have talked about that are a little more lighthearted, uh, check out the rest of our episodes and follow us on the social medias at Animates pretty much everywhere. So you can kind of get updates about what's going on. Check out the TikTok for some some extra content videos or other jazz like that. So. You folks have yourself a good evening or a good day or a good afternoon or whatever it happens to be. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Woo-hoo. See you later, everyone. Yeah, I really hope you like this, uh, this episode of Kite. And <laughs> How dare you. <laughs>